Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Today, at the time of this episode's release, is Friday, which means it's time for another Christians of History installment. Yeah. If you are new here or have short-term memory loss, (laughs) every Friday we take a sort of biographical sketch, kind of an overview introduction to a Christian from history. We've done all kinds of cool people from... Apollos in the Bible, to J.I. Packer, to Karl Barth, to John Calvin, and lots of people in between. And this is a time where we've sort of, our hope is that it's a time where we sort of get to explore people that we may or may not be familiar with in order to learn figures and heroes and saints from the past, learn from their life, learn from their example, learn from their writings, and get uh, a wider understanding and wider perspective on the faith that we've all inherited and uh, what we can learn from those who have gone before, whose, you know, shoulders we we stand on as Christians coming after them. So that's sort of just a brief overview reintroduction to the sort of the, you know, what Friday episodes look like as well as what the point is. And today we are continuing on with that. And Jensen is going to tell us all about Louis Burkhoff. All right. So I first, before I jump in, I just want to say thank you uh, to to Lucas, first of all, for for taking the reins on Tuesday's episode. Uh, If you guys tuned in, um, or if you didn't, you should check it out. But uh, Lucas went ahead and and did a solo episode because my wife and I were in the hospital, um, sort of, well, we went to the ER and then we're in the hospital and it was all very unforeseen and last minute. So uh, I just wanted to say thanks to Lucas for for stepping in last minute to to talk about something that I mean he he was prepared in the sense that he had you know thought a lot about it but he, we went into Sunday thinking we were going to be talking about something completely different so appreciate the flexibility but I also want to say thank you to any of you and all of you who have been praying um, for my wife and I as we've um, now come back home it, it's Wednesday today as we record this and she was in the hospital on Sunday so she's she's already home doing much better so just wanted to say thank you but um, without any further ado, we're talking about Louis Burkhoff, uh, Louis Burkhoff, and maybe it depends on where you're from. Um, you know, is it St. Louis, St. Louis? Is it Louisville or Louisville? Um, who's to say? Um, but we're going to say Louis Burkhoff. And I, I think um, off the bat, uh, there is a giant jet going by overhead that's very loud. Uh, so apologies for that. But uh, I'd like to say at the outset that not all theologians are innovative, uh, groundbreaking, or revolutionary. And I think that, like, most are not. Uh, You know, when you think about the vast majority of Christians that have lived throughout church history, um, few are innovative, groundbreaking, revolutionary. um, uh, But some, like like Burkhoff, most, I think, like Burkhoff, merely serve God, love the church, uh, teach theology to, uh, to eager students, um, yet really, as, as Henry Zwanstra writes, no theologian or churchman has made a greater impact on Christian reformed church circles uh, than Louis Burkhoff. And as a result, the life and work of um, 
Louis Burkhoff, I think, deserves some attention. Uh, but he, to, to, to sort of give you a sketch of his life, he was born October 13th, 1873. Uh, if you've been around our podcast for a while, you know that we've been doing some really early Christians of history. Um, now we're just sort of branching back out into the uh, the vast array, if you will. So now we're, we're in the 1800s. Uh, Louis was born in Emmen, uh, which is in the Netherlands. Uh, his family emigrated from or uh, from the Netherlands to the United States in 1882. So when he was like nine or 10 years old, uh, and this was actually the peak, like the peak moment of Dutch American migration. Uh, and his family, as they emigrated, they, they settled in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know how many of you know about Grand Rapids, what's in Grand Rapids. There's a ton of publishing houses, some seminaries, some Bible colleges. Um, but Grand Rapids, for whatever reason, was... Um, a really emerging place for for uh, for the Dutch that were emigrating to to the to the states. So um, that's where he found himself. Uh, his parents were actually bakers by trade, uh, but his dad actually later became a a factory worker. Um, so that just gives you sort of a, a brief look at his very young life. When he was a teenager, uh, he was the secretary of the Reformed Young Men's Society in Grand Rapids. And this was a, an organization whose purpose was to study Reformed doctrine and the principles of Calvinism and how they apply to all areas of life. Um, so I know Lucas is really interested in, in joining this group, and I've already signed him up, so you guys can um, look forward to hearing more about that in the future. But um, Can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, so yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how familiar our audience is with the Netherlands, with the Dutch people. Um, it is a very, I mean, obviously not the whole country, but there was a period in time where there were a lot of reformed theologians, churchmen, uh, churchgoers who, who who lived in the Netherlands and or lived in the United States as, as Dutch immigrants. But um, the Burkhoffs were, were no exception to that. So uh, he, he attended and graduated um, Calvin Theological Seminary in 1900. Fun fact, my great-grandfather was born in 1900 he's no longer living now he died in 1994 like weeks after i was born i believe but um it's just interesting like now we're getting we i mean you know we, we've talked about a lot of really old christians of history um so it's interesting to talk about people who have lived just a you know a few lifetimes ago um but in 1900 he um he graduated and accepted the call to be the pastor of the allendale uh, michigan first christian reformed church um in in 1902 he actually went to Princeton University for two years. So he had been pastoring for two years, decides to go to Princeton, where he earned a BD, um, and he studied under B.B. Warfield, if you know Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield, and Gerhardus Voss, um, another pretty well-known theologian. So uh, <laughs> Burkhoff is a student of, of Warfield and Voss, two very large names. Um, and it was after graduating from Princeton that he accepted another pastorship, um, of the Oakdale Park Church in Grand Rapids. So while he was pastoring there, uh, while, he, while he was at this church, he took correspondence courses in philosophy. So I, I, don't, I don't exactly know what that means if he was sort of like living in Grand Rapids but taking courses from the University of Chicago. Like think of like online classes but in like 1902, whatever that looked like. I think that's exactly that because I remember... I forget who it was. It might have been Elaine's grandpa. 
or somebody was talking about doing correspondence classes at Moody. Hmm. Um, and it's like they would mail you. Can you imagine? Can, can like, you? So you'd get like a stack of papers that you'd, ha- you know, and then you'd send it back in. Said, you know, you'd like mail your papers. Like it, it, it is distance learning just, just before the internet. Yeah. I in think. the, in the dark ages of, of, <laughs> the of dark ages. mail by, I mean, can you imagine? I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. But basically he was, <laughs> he was taking correspondence courses in philosophy at the University of Chicago um, from Grand Rapids. So um, not too far away, but still a significant distance. But in 1906, Burkhoff was appointed to the chair of exegetical theology at Kelvin Seminary. So he'd only pastored for maybe a, a sum total of about four years. Um, but from 1906 to 1914, Burkhoff taught all of the Old and New Testament courses um, at Kelvin. However, in 1914, the Old and New Testament departments divided. Um, and it, it basically allowed Burkhoff more time to research and write. Um, and in, in 1924, and I know we're sort of just like blowing through years at this point, but just giving like a, a scope of, of some of what he was doing. Uh, in 1924, he accepted a position uh, as a professor of dogmatics. So we're already kind of seeing some of his background in, in theology, in Old and New Testament, in um, dogmatics. And really the, this position as a professor of, dog, of, of dogmatics really helped pave the way in his writing his systematic theology. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, he became president. So he's working his way up the, the, the chain there. He became president of the seminary in 1931 and continued in that office until he ret- uh, retired in 1944. Interestingly, if we're talking about other big theological names, um, one of his most prominent students, while he was a professor, was Cornelius Van Til. Um, so it's 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 so interesting, like these these big names, these people who have you know many of you probably at least know the names. Um, when you come to to learn that they're all sort of like interconnected, and I you know there's probably similarities to today's theological world, like you know people studying under other people, and then later other famous people will study under them. But it's just kind of cool to see the history of that. But um, so we, we sort of talk about his his academic life, his um, you know his career, uh, I guess moving into more of his personal life. Um, in 1900, so when he graduated, shortly thereafter, he married uh, a lady by the name of Reka. Uh, she actually, they, they were married for 28 years. She, she passed away in 1928. Um, but in, in their time together, while he was a pastor for a couple years, and then as he, um, as he taught, they, they parented four children. So Grace, William, um, Jean, and John. Um, after, after, um, Reka had passed away. He married um, Dina Haynes Joldersma, I think is how you would say that. These are all very Dutch sounding names. Like I, I, I even like, <laughs> I'm probably butchering those. But um, basically later in life, he, he, he remarries this woman who actually had two daughters of her own, um, Joanne and Wilma. And um, she actually lived 40 years beyond, um, or wait, uh, maybe that's not right. She lived about 30 years, sorry, 30 years beyond um, Burkhoff, but, uh, we'll, we'll get to that too. So, um, while Burkhoff was a, a gifted speaker, um, he was pretty eloquent. He was a, a great professor. He was a, a, you know, even if for only a short time, a great pastor, um, he left his most enduring contribution in his writing. Like what he's most known for are his theological works. 
Um, I think, like I mentioned, his systematic theology might be his most well-known. It's at least his most probably accessible, um, especially, I think he wrote, so he wrote like the bigger volume and then he has a condensed volume that's for like high school and, and college age students. Um, but he, he wrote on a lot of topics. He, he wrote about social issues, um, modern trends of thought, Christian education, evangelism, missions, life in general. You have to remember, even, even the dates that I said that he was just president of the college, uh, 1931 to 44, what was happening in the world during, <laughs> during that time? We had a major world war. Um, and, and he was living in America in, in the thick of that. So um, he, he talks about it. It comes up. It's, it's an important um, piece of his writing. He, he, 22 books at the end of the day are, are, are attributed to, um, to Burkhoff, but most, again, most, most people know systematic theology um, over and against any of his other ones. And, and I believe Banner of Truth, for example, has a really nice, um, it's a, again, and it's, I should have, should have mentioned the systematic theology is a single volume systematic theology. So um, we mention Robert Lethem all the time. I'm sure everyone's aware that uh, Wayne Grudem has a single volume systematic theology. There are others like Joel Beakey who, uh, you know, they're working on a four volume reformed systematic theology. But but Burkhoff wrote a single volume systematic theology. Um, and it has actually been said um, by Wayne Grudem, interestingly, so take, take it as you will. But uh, Wayne Grudem said that uh, that Burkhoff's Sistheo is the most useful one-volume systematic theology available from any theological perspective. So that's, I mean, that's high praise for a systematic theology, especially coming from somebody who has their own single volume. Um, but but Burkhoff's writings really do continue to serve, um, the, especially the Reformed community, but but overall just christian communities in general and, and and again i'm sure if you ever heard of lewis burkhoff i'm sure you've heard of his um systematic theology so uh, really like i said at the end of the day burkhoff was not known for being original or speculative in the sense that they're trying to like you know journey into new realms of theology it's not like burkhoff was trying to become the next um, you know, Calvin or something where suddenly you have a system named after you. It's not like he was trying to make Burkhoffians or something. I don't know, Burkhoffians. Um, but he he was very good. He was very good at organizing um, and explaining basic theological ideas, especially in the stream and tradition of John Calvin, um, Abraham Kuyper, um, Herman Bavink, because if you think about some of those names, they, that's that's sort of like the the heritage that he comes from. You know, the the followers of Calvin, um, as they trickle down, as they make their way into the Netherlands, um, Kuiper and Bavink, and and some of those others that we mentioned, Warfield and Voss. Um, so he, he it, it's a, it's a great skill to have, and and I think especially as you know, 21st century people, we, we all sort of like want to make our mark. We all sort of want to say and do something original or, or something that other people aren't doing. Um, so it, it, that we can sort of like, even as Christians, succumb to that pressure of, of wanting to be unique, wanting to be original. Um, whereas whereas Burkhoff seemed very comfortable being somebody just articulating the, the, the tenets of the faith, 
uh, presenting them in a clear and concise and understandable way. Um, and I think, I think that there's something to be said for that. I think there's something to be said for, um, I think, I think this is who said it. Um, oh man, I'm just like totally blanking. Who was the CWC professor that wasn't McDuffie? Dr. Litfin. Dr. Litfin. I'm pretty sure Dr. Litfin used to say all the time in Christianity and Western culture in our, um, at, our, at, at Moody, he would say, um, say something old, don't say something new. And what he meant by that was, um, don't look for, you know, basically don't look for new ways to say something that's already been said in an old way. Um, and he would say it, I, I don't remember all the, the contexts in which he would say that, but I think that sort of would resonate with Burkhoff to say something old to, um, or even to, to maybe say something old in a, a more concise way. Um, but, but at the end of the day, uh, Burkhoff was convinced that the church had a role to play in um, social reform and that it ought not to be separatistic toward culture. And so in his writings, as he's, as he's doing systematic theology, as he does dogmatics and church history, um, he, he, especially over and against the, um, you know, the, the, the culture of his day, he, he was someone who, who advocated um, really for, for real societal change, to, to not be apathetic, to not be um, so separatistic. And again, especially in the midst of world wars and um, coming out of a depression and just when you think about all the contexts and all the things that were going on in the, the 1900s, it just, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting, a very interesting thought when we, when we think about somebody like Burkhoff, who, I mean, he, so he, he passed away May 18th, 1957. So, I mean, he was alive when my grandparents were alive. So it's like, you know, he's, he's not that old. We're not that far removed from Burkhoff. Um, even though it might seem so distant, it might seem like such a long time ago to say that he was born, you know, in the 1800s. But um, now I'm just sort of rambling. So to help uh, <laughs> uh, tie this up, at the end of the day, Burkhoff, as a as a uh, a Dutch Reformed Christian theologian, um, I think has a lot to contribute. And 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 just the fact that he uh, strove to be so clear and concise is something that we ought to also be seeking to emulate to, 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 um, to maybe be content with obscurity, to be content with not having our name in lights, even though we're talking about Louis Burkhoff, even though people know who he is, even though his books are published. Um, I think his enduring legacy is the fact that he would have wanted to be somebody that would have remained nameless. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, that's his life. A brief sketch, as you said in the beginning. You know, we're not we're not writing a <laughs> a critical biography by any means, but we're looking at just the uh, a quick snippet of a, a a person's life to gain a better insight into how we can live today. So hopefully, we uh, can learn from someone like Burkhoff. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't really have room on the shelf, but I'm tempted to go pick up that his his systematic just for fun at this point. Um, so thank you for sharing and uh, introducing us to Burkhoff and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Doxology podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology podcast, or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes, anything that's on your mind. We'd love to, uh, 
communicate, be in contact, and, um, you know, journey together on the road that is the Christian faith. Uh, No matter what you have to say, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time...